The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the Guys and Ties podcast. I'm here, Robert, with Dustin, as always. And before we get into it, we just want to give you a quick word from my bookie. It's a new season, and Antonio Brown is on the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets, Odell Beckham is in Cleveland, and the only thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. Listen, I'd only recommend the best services to my listeners. That's why we got to go with my bookie. You bet, you win, they pay. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. Join now and get up to $200 in free bets. Use promo code ACAA to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code A-C-A-A. Bet, win, get paid. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin, and we've got Rob, and it's been a couple weeks. I was traveling. I apologize for that. But we're back, and we got to talk about football today, Rob. Well, you can tell them about Thailand, too. I was in Thailand. Thailand was great. I uh, saw some elephants, ate some good food. Uh, no no really sports in Thailand besides... <laughs> they like uh, Mai, Thai, Mai Thai a lot. I don't... How do you say it? Uh, I don't even the, know what The fight is. It's like... It's uh, kickboxing. It's like Thai oh, kickboxing. Okay. And I, did, I wasn't able to see a match. Uh, my fiance CJ didn't want to go, and uh, I didn't want to go by myself. So <laughs> it was good, and uh, we're back, and we got to talk football. There's no basketball news really at all. Uh, so we're not going to talk about basketball at all this episode. We're going to talk about football, and we've got a fun episode. We're going to talk about what positions are the most powerful on UVA, and we've got a, a nice power ranking to go through. And Rob and I have talked about this. We're on the same page this yep. time. Yep. And uh, we're going to go from worst position, it, it kind of the worst position group in our mind, to the best position group, like the most talented, the most successful, the most consistent one. So Rob, let's go ahead and start off. What is the kind of lowest position unit, do you think? Yeah, so we're ranking the top five right now. So. Oh, we're doing top five. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought we were doing more. We'll do five. Oh, we can do more later. No, well, we'll do five. All right, we'll so we're, we're ranking the top five position units. Uh, we're keeping them pretty broad here, um, so we'll we'll have a lot to talk about. But uh, fifth, we're going up the fifth uh, position unit, offensive line. 
Mm-hmm. So offensive line is one of these position units that uh, the numbers are there for the first time in a long time. And that's one good thing you can say about Bronco Mendenhall is that he's recruited the offensive line. There's depth there. And, you know, it's it's pretty good to say that. It has not always been that way. So there are numbers there. Are there stars there? We don't really know yet, but there's numbers there at least. So at least there's that going for it. And we've had some people who are on the offensive line who have been there for a couple of years, who have played in a lot of important games, like Rankinsmeyer. Yep. He's one of our leaders this season. He's going to be, where's he going to be playing on the Most line? likely right guard. It's, okay. So yeah, let's get into that a little bit. So Dylan Rankinsmeyer is a stud. Right. That guy has been one of the best finds of that class. And Garrett 2 done a pretty good job pulling that uh, position unit together. So Dylan's Rankinsmeyer as a freshman, played around a little bit. He played at tackle a little bit. He also played at center. Last year, he started every game at center except for the bowl game, which he was at right guard for. So this year, it's looking like he's going to be at right guard again. Um, I forget the exact uh, lineup they used for the first uh, camp practice, but um, the big determination of him is who's going to win the center battle, mm-hmm. and that's a big story in camp. So you look at the center battle, is it Tyler Fannin? Is it uh, Victor Oluwatimi? You know, we'll see. We'll see. And that's going to have a huge play on uh, how this offensive line turns out. I think the most important thing to think about with the offensive line is that we have a lot of people there and we know there is some talent. But I think the reason why Rob and I are not as high on them as maybe we should be or could be is because there's a lot of unknowns as well. We're not really sure where certain people are going to line up. We're not really sure who's going to be starting, as you said, at center, especially game one. And I think as we get along through the year, my guess is that the offensive line is going to be better. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more consistent like it was last year. And I think we're going to see that they're probably a little bit better than they were last year, too. But for now, there's there's enough unknowns to make us uneasy about this offensive line unit, even even though it is better than it was in the past. Oh, definitely. And... You know, the one thing, too, is you're missing some guys from last year. You know, Marcus Outblefield turned out to be a terrific player at right tackle. And the presumed right tackle this year, Alex Gellerstedt, was just announced he's going to miss the season, which is unfortunate. He's a Penn State transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up with, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, osteochronditis dissecans. So <laughs> I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Leave that for uh, Dustin's fiance. Right. But... um yeah, so he ended up, it's basically a knee injury, and I think what happened is just like part of his bone fell off his leg, which isn't isn't too great. It is tough. So he's going to be out six months, which is unfortunate for him to finally get the tra- chance to transfer, and mm-hmm. he will have another year of eligibility, but that kind of throws, um, you know, a wrinkle at right tackle, too. Is it going to be uh, Ryan Sadoba? You know, we, we don't really know who it's going to be at right tackle, so... Um, I think there's numbers, and I think there's guys that have played. You know, you have your Ryan Nelsons, you know, those uh, type of names out there. And Victor Oluwatimi, he's only six foot or six foot one, but Mm -hmm. he's been hyped up quite a bit. Uh, He can play guard as well. Tyler Fannin was doing really well last year in camp before he got hurt. You know, he's competing for the center spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. I don't really know how this is going to play out, and we're not going to pretend we're offensive line guys. But not. uh, But I mean, there's definitely names that you that you. No, like Chris Glazer. Yep. And uh Ryan Swoboda Ryan Swoboda. Um 
who is 6'10", big yeah, boy. Tall guy. <laughs> and Dylan Rankinsmeyer. So we've got Ryan Nelson. So we've got these people. We just don't know where they're going to be. We don't know how much they're going to play. And I'm assuming that the that they'll move throughout the season as well as the offensive line has in the past couple of years. So we're excited to see that. And uh, that's all we have for the offensive line. And we're, I'm excited to see how they perform against Pitt yeah. to start the season. Yeah. So number four, then. Our fourth best position unit. We're going to say D-line. Mm-hmm. D-line. So there were they had good moments last year. I would say they performed above expectations last year. Yes. But they certainly were not a strength. Well, they outperformed what they should have. Considering in, in the end of the year picture after the Belk Bowl, there was only four defensive linemen. <laughs> One of which was Dylan Thompson. One of which Bronco was Dylan just hated. <laughs> Bronco just couldn't stand that who guy. Who didn't actually play at all in that game. Yeah. But... So really, we had like three guys, and there were tons of injuries, but a lot of talent there as well. And I think the defensive line is going to be much improved from last season. Yeah, it's so you think about what happened last year. You played, you only had four guys just for the bowl game. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the roster of defensive linemen, and if you add it up, you end up with 10 scholarship defensive linemen and to think four dressed last year and right now you're dealing with 10 guys so you know you have your Eli handbacks you have you know Richard Bernie who's going to be back for his senior year Mm -hmm. looks like that's uh pretty much confirmed and he was having some good moments you know last season before um he went down with this illness or injury that was never really disclosed Mandy Alonzo Mandy Alonzo and he's a guy that you know, he's been around for two years, but yeah. honestly hasn't played that many games. Right. Because he didn't play until the latter part of his freshman season. Mm-hmm. And he only played, you know, really the first half of last season, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got a guy like him, the freshman, you know, or now sophomores, Jordan Redman, Aaron Famui. Mm-hmm. You'll have Samson Reed, who's a redshirt freshman. Tommy Chris. Tommy Chris had a very good season. Not very good, but he showed he could play. He could I think play. he was he, he a played year really, ahead of schedule. He, he played really well in spot minutes last season, especially when we needed him when you know, we had all those injuries. Yeah. And then you bring in this freshman class with Jawan Briggs and Ben Smiley. Mm-hmm. So there's numbers there now. And yeah. then you have Isaac Buell too, who has missed the past two years, uh, last year with injury, the other year before he redshirted, but he's another guy that's in the picture there. So, you know, you're more than double what you had at this time last year, as right. far as bodies goes, and they should all be improved. And they should be better than they were last year. So I think that's a good thing for us. And, you know, It'll be good to see how they, if they live up to their expectation, because I think the expectation for them this season is a lot higher than it was last season, Mm -hmm. for sure. And it'll be interesting to see how they come out. And if they are all completely healthy, if they're able to, you know, stuff the line and get stops. Yeah. And you look at how, how this will line up. So I don't know what your crack of the starting three is. I'll say Eli Hamback's in there. Mm-hmm. I'll say Mandy Alonzo of Healthy is in mm-hmm. there. The other guy, I really like Aaron Famui. Yeah. Maybe it's Richard Bernie. He's the senior as yeah. the third guy. I don't I, really know. I think they'll switch Famui and Bernie in a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of rotation, especially because, you know, um, we play the 3-4. And so there's going to be a lot of... We've got a couple nose tackles. You can play Famui and Hamback and... Uh, Chris are the ones who are listed on the depth chart right now. And also, we've got a lot of defensive ends who are able, and defensive linemen, really, who are just able to kind of go anywhere they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of switching, and hopefully we're going to get just have a lot of bodies to throw in there. Yeah, and I'm curious what the rotation is going to be like, because I don't know if it'll be 
you know, let's just assume, which won't be the case, but let's just assume all these guys are healthy. So you have really 10 guys, and Ben Smiley might redshirt. He might take advantage of the four-game rule. I'd expect Juwan Briggs is going to play this year. But when you look at the rotation, you know, is it going to be, are they really going to just rotate a couple guys in there? Are they going to find matchups for people? You know, Aaron Famui, I think, is generally a better pass rusher than run stopper. Mm-hmm. But the opposite is true of Jordan Redman. Right. I think of Tommy Chris more as a run guy. Um, Juwan Briggs... I mean, that dude could be a legit stud, and we'll just see kind of how he comes along his freshman season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see how, how the rotation goes, because I think it's going to give the staff a lot of options that you know they just didn't have last year. I think we're going to learn quickly what those options are, especially after Pitt and you know having William and Mary the week after, just to kind of get our legs under ourselves and to figure out what actually this defensive line unit can do, because I think that they're going to be really improved. But are they going to get a lot of sacks this season? Maybe not. Are they going to be able to get pressure on the ball? Maybe not. Are they going to be able to stop the run? We'll see. They did it pretty well last year. So who knows? All right. One breakout star on the defensive line. Who you got? I think it's got to be Famui. I think that he had a good start last season as a freshman. And, you know, he got hurt against Pitt, you know, who we start off with. I think if Famui can you know, get a good start and get good push on the, in the center of that line. I think that he can, he's someone who might be a staple of that defense and just kind of make everyone move around him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm going to go with Mandy Alonzo mm-hmm. and I don't know if he really counts as like a breakout guy, but he's kind of <laughs> like a said, junior. <laughs> yeah. But you know, his he's Dubois had a breakout year last year as a junior, yeah. you know, we'll see if Terrell Jana can do the same this year mm-hmm. um, at wide receiver. So, I'm going to go with Mandy Alonzo. I think Mandy Alonzo has the potential to, you know, end up being a guy that gets, you know, 8, 10 tackles for loss, maybe close to one a game. Maybe mm-hmm. he'll end up. No defensive lineman had more than two sacks last year. Yeah. Mandy Alonzo hits four or five. To me, that's a breakout year. Yeah. So um, I'll go Mandy Alonzo, but I like the Famui pick too. Yeah, I just think, I think, you know, with the 3-4, you really got to have a nose tackle that is able to eat up two offensive linemen at the same time mm-hmm. and just to so that we can get a better push and better pressure on the ball uh, as well as a run stopper i think family did a really good job of that last year just wasn't able to stay healthy uh so hopefully this year he's a little bit stronger healthier and able to get as much push as he did last year yeah i mean and family was the guy true freshman like he just really didn't know if he was even going to play last mm-hmm. year and he did he ended up playing most games yeah. so he, he and was playing the, well playing well yeah a good surprise for sure so we have defensive line as the fourth strongest position unit which is quite a step up from last year and a lot goes to Vixa hotel on that where too. i think where i think we would have probably had them near last last yeah year. i mean they they were the big concern you know you had bryce perkins who was the unknown last year mm-hmm. so it's like is he going to be a good quarterback yes uh, but then it was like, all right, well, defensive line, what's going to happen? Then that was kind of the question the whole season too. Is like, <laughs> do how, how do we have anyone to play on the defensive line? We're not sure. We're going to take it a game at a time. But it ended up, yeah. It ended I up mean, okay. look at Richard Bernie, man. They converted him from tight end to D line, and like, oh, at least we have a body here. Nope, he's out for the season. Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully they should be better this year. Yeah, they should be better. All right, our number three position unit on the roster quarterback and -hmm. it feels pretty good to say that it It hasn't been said in a long time no and uva this is i think one of the first years where there hasn't been a quarterback controversy 
coming into the season. You know, we have our quarterback. I mean, last year it was kind of like Bryce Perkins is the quarterback, and it wasn't really a controversy. But I think coming into this year, having the same quarterback and we have a a true um, um, successor to that quarterback position in Armstrong, it feels good to know that there's a plan and that the coaches are sticking to the plan. Unlike in previous administrations for this football team (laughs) where we would just get a quarterback and then have another quarterback and they would split time and it was always horrible. I I don't know. It feels good to know who our quarterback is and that he is a good quarterback. Yeah, he's a very good quarterback and very much to Broncos credit. You have a two-year starter in Kurt Benkert and Mm -hmm. now a two-year starter in Bryce Perkins and both came via transfer, both came... Uh, having not started an FBS game before. Mm-hmm. Binkert had his ups and downs that his first year here, but was quite good his second year. Inconsistent, but very good most of the time. And, you know, Bryce was obviously great last year. And one thing that I think is just incredible about Bryce Perkins is uh, Jeff White just put out uh, his article about the strength and conditioning program uh, over the summer. And Bryce Perkins is in the black group, which is the highest group based on all these strength and conditioning tests. And he's going through to the tests that the wide receivers and running backs go through. Mm -hmm. So he is performing at the top level as a quarterback in the wide receiver and running back position group. You know, the guys in the top of that group, Bryce Perkins, Richard Burney, PK Kyer, Jordan Mack, Nick Grant, and Joe Reed. I mean, Bryce Perkins is a quarterback and he is maybe, you know, he is at least among the top six top performers in the weight room and the conditioning tests on the team. Yeah. And apparently he's put on 10 pounds of muscle um, is what the media reports um, from the first practice. And they say he looks noticeably bigger. I'll take that. I mean, I didn't think he could get much bigger. He was already built like a running back. Yeah. He, he was running guys over. He was jumping over guys. He was getting around guys. He He's an incredible talent. And I'm excited for him to be healthy and you know, ready to go and knows the offense, able to throw a little bit better this year, hopefully. Yep. I think that, and my hope is by the end of the year, we will rank the quarterback position higher than we are right now. Because I think that Bryce Perkins has the ability to get there. And hopefully if his receivers cooperate, he will be able to be a much better quarterback than he was last year. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that without this dislocated pinky, apparently the pinky is still like kind of crooked looking apparently, but mm-hmm. it's at least not dislocated anymore. Right. And so, his ankles back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he'll have his speed back, you know, 10 pounds. He'll get his power even stronger. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more zip on his ball, at least that I've seen in the limited okay. uh, practice things that we've seen uh, this year versus last year. Yeah. I mean, something that Rob and I talked about all last year, this was a constant on every Every week we talked about how Bryce Perkins was accurate, but he kind of would lob the ball yeah. <laughs> to every receiver. And it's always terrifying when you lob a ball because it's it's much easier to get intercepted, especially on little passes, you know, yeah. when you just kind of lob it. But you're, you're saying there's more zip on the ball this year. Yeah, he looks a lot better in my, in my eyes. I'm not a trained quarterback guy, but he looks a lot better in my Heisman eyes. talent? No. <laughs> <laughs> not there yet. <laughs> But, and you know, part of the reason we have quarterback number three, too, is like uh, Dustin was saying at the beginning, the, the plans behind them. You know, Brennan mm-hmm. Armstrong, Brennan Armstrong looks like a linebacker right yeah. now. I don't know if you've seen the pictures he's of him big. recently. He's, he's got big. big. And, you know, the lefty, 
Unfortunately, we'll not wear 98 most likely next year. I was kind of hoping really he'd liked stick it. with that. I really like that. We'll see if Lindell Stone number. sticks with 36. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they also brought in two quarterbacks in this class as well, and R.J. Harvey and Luke Wentz. And, you know, the report from the initial practice from Jamie Oaks was that R.J. Harvey, you know, only 5'10", has a live arm. Not the most accurate, but I really like him. The he's question, got a cannon. Yeah. The question with him is if he's – if Brennan Armstrong is the three-year answer after Bryce Perkins, is R.J. Harvey going to stay at quarterback knowing there's only really one year? Or that, will he switch to wide receiver? Or will he transfer or something like that? Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But there's there's a lineup and a succession plan behind them. And now, they're finally getting the quarterbacks that fit the mold, too. Lindell Stone is the only dual, yeah. non-dual threat guy. I've also heard that Wentz is, might be a candidate to switch to tight end. Yeah, you can play. Apparently, they worked him out at a ton of plays. Apparently, he's a terrific athlete. Yeah. But tight end, defensive back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's options. Defensive back. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they said they played him at safety when he first came over. What is he, like 6'4? He's, I want to say he's 6'4, 200 something. He's got like this weird throwing motion, too. He like lifts his back leg when he throws. It's kind of, it almost looks like he's dancing. He's listed at 6'3, 200. That would be a huge safety. He'd be a big safety. That's about what Quinn Blanding was. Quinn Blanding wasn't that tall. I think he was like 6'2-ish. So I think he was like 6 foot or 6'1". Anyways, Luke Wentz, we'll tall see if safety. he stays a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but there are options behind Bryce Perkins now. Yeah. And he, they're our number three position unit right now. Yeah, and that, I think having Bryce Perkins as the number three, like the best position unit, I think that says a lot about our next two units, which... Spoiler alert, they're both on the defensive end. And so Rob and I think that our defense is going to be absolutely dirty this season. Yeah. Dirty. It's, it's going to be the best in a long time, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Which leads us to our second position unit that we feel is going to be really good this season are the linebackers. So the linebackers are good. They're really good. <laughs> and uh, I would call out two names in particular, two names that I think everyone is pretty high on i'd mm-hmm. say i'm really high maybe higher on this than other people but jordan mack and charles snowden and yeah. jordan everyone talks about charles snowden charles snowden incredible talent needs to get he got bigger this offseason which mm-hmm. is good i want to see him finish sacks yes um jordan mack is a guy i want to talk about because okay. jordan mack because you know he's a senior it's, it's almost blows my mind jordan mack is a senior yeah like it goes by you know just everything so quickly but so Jordan Mack, another member of the um, black, you know, strength and conditioning group for Sean Griswold. So he's another one of those six guys. And he was hurt a lot of last year. And one thing that has happened this offseason, too. So his freshman year, he played outside linebacker. He was a safety in high school, moved outside linebacker. Sophomore year, moved to inside linebacker, where he was really successful. I think he had three sacks. Uh, about 115 tackles mm-hmm. last year only 60 some tackles part of that was because he was hurt he was eased back in action but he also slid over last year and played the inside linebacker spot that Micah Kaiser played mm-hmm. kind of the quarterback of the defense if you will yeah well Jordan Mack is now back at the linebacker spot he played his second year mm-hmm. where he was super super productive and apparently from everything I've heard and read this guy's just been the star of the strength and conditioning program mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see Jordan Mack this year. Fully healthy. You know, I'm expecting all ACC type of season, NFL draft pick next year. I'm really high on Jordan Mack. I think, I mean, he was the heir apparent after 
Kaiser. Kaiser, yeah, sorry. After Kaiser left, and and so, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to play a lot last season because of injuries. He came back, was really productive uh, when he did come back. I, he played in the Belk Bowl. Yeah, I think he was really good. He was really Bowl. good in the Belk Bowl. He was very good against Tech. Too. And I mean, you mentioned the two stars. I think Mac and I think Snowden is the more interesting talent there because he's so. I mean, he's I, he's tall. He's six seven which is tall for a linebacker and he's 225 which is smaller than a lot of linebackers as well but he's fast he's athletic he can get around guys he's he's able to get low and you know he had problems last year finishing sacks we've talked about that before we don't need to go back into detail (laughs) but I think he's got a really he's really intriguing in that he's able to do all these things while still being a good tackler he's good against the run uh, he's good. He's got good sides, so he's able to run out and get people, which some linebackers can get outrun there. Mm-hmm. I also um, want to talk about Zandi, uh, Zandir because he had a really productive year last year in the absence of Mac, and when you know people were sliding around because of injuries and stuff, Zandir came in. He hadn't really been talked about before, but he left a really good impression on a lot of people because of how consistent he was. His tackling was really solid. And they're all back. They're all back. Zandier is a guy that could be, again, he could be an all-ACC guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was hyped up out of high school. He had an offer from Penn State. And, you know, he was talking about that. He was on the Jerry Ratcliffe show a couple weeks ago. And he's always going to find the football. He just needs to have, you know, better angles, kind of. His pursuit is so aggressive that sometimes Mm -hmm. he'll get run around or something like that. Tavares Kelly did that to him in the spring game. Oh, really? Um, but, you know, you saw his first start, I think, was Ohio mm-hmm. um, when Malcolm Cook went down, and he had a sack and a half. The next week against Louisville, he had those two stops on the goal line stand. That guy is always going to find the football. He's a really, really talented player. But the discipline has got to get a little better with him, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why the coaches turned to Rob Snyder a lot later in the year, too. Yeah. So you look at the inside linebacker spot. Jordan Mack has the one position, the Sabre position, locked down. And then I think one of the most intriguing battles at camp, and they're both going to play Zandier and Rob Snyder, but who's the starter in the base defense? Yeah. I think that's one of the more intriguing battles. Yeah. I think, I, I think that comes with experience too. You're talking about like a lack of discipline on his angles and, and with sticking to the, you know, what man you, what gap you need to go through. But I think with, with time and with watching film and stuff, Zandier can learn you know, where he has to go and where he has to be to make the defense successful. Mm -hmm. His ceiling is so high. And, you know, Rob Snyder, to his credit, you know, improved tremendously last season too. So, you know, where Zandier definitely started the season way ahead of him Mm -hmm. and they ended at about the same spot. Yeah. So Rob Snyder also not necessarily the huge athlete that Zandier is, but, you know, a very, very you know, disciplined, solid player. And I think it says a lot that Rob Snyder had such a good year, but we're not talking about him as much because he was really consistent. He was but quiet about it. Zandier had a lot of flashy stuff mm-hmm. last season. Snyder, you know, had some good plays, but it wasn't like, oh, wow, who is this guy? It was, oh, that's he's a good linebacker. Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Zandier, I think that's the difference between them. Zandier had some really great plays, memorable plays. Snyder was very consistent much more able to uh, read the defense or read the offense and see where the play was going. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to really the fourth position is the other outside linebacker spot Uh that Chris Pease left behind now 
uh, in training camp with the Chargers. Chris P, seven and a half sacks last season. Not the most dynamic guy in the world by any stretch, but he was productive. I'm pretty sure he started every game of Bronco Mendenhall's tenure here, Mm -hmm. which is pretty impressive. So that would have been, what, 38 games that he started? Yeah. So, um... So who's going to step up there? And that's that's the question. It's really kind of a three-horse race right now. Um, and all of these guys are going to play with Elliot Brown, Matt Gam, and Noah Taylor. Noah Taylor's the guy that's been the hyped-up guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ready to be an every-down player, but it certainly seems like he's going to have a role, a much bigger role in the pass rush this season. Yep. Elliot Brown, you know, kind of fits the mold a little bit of what Charles Snowden was. And Matt Gam, uh, more of a pass rush guy. So, you know... We're ranking them as the second best position unit, only knowing three of the four starters. Right, like that's how strong these other well, guys are. Well, there's just so much talent there, and we don't we don't know which one is the mo- is the more talented of them. And I think that it'll be interesting to see. And they're they're all gonna they're they're definitely gonna play at, at certain times. You know, sometimes that we're gonna need more pass rush. Sometimes we're gonna need more um, uh, throwing uh, defense. That's not yep. how you say it, but. <laughs> pass, oh yeah pass rush pass rush defense. defense rush defense yeah, yeah one those of the things. two <laughs> those things there's two of them and uh yeah so i think it's gonna be interesting to see who steps up in that outside linebacker outside linebacker position because snowden's got the other side locked down mm-hmm. who's gonna be able opposite him are they gonna rush the rush the pass as much as him what's gonna happen there and then two freshmen that have just been doing really well too, apparently in Hunter and uh, workouts are Nick Jackson and Hunter Stewart. Mm-hmm. I think Nick Jackson, who my anticipation is he'll be more on the inside and Hunter Stewart will end up on the outside. Not locked in stone yet, but uh, Nick Jackson apparently was the highest. I keep going back to the strength and conditioning program test because that's really the only data points we have right now, mm-hmm. just having limited uh, access to practice. But Nick Jackson was apparently the top performer of the freshman class that um, came in uh, this year that wasn't an early enrollee, so he didn't have the six-month advantage the other guys had, but Mm -hmm. apparently was just a stud this offseason. So he's a guy that there's so much depth. I don't know how much he's going to play, but a guy to keep an eye on for sure. Definitely. And I think with that, we're going to go to our top position on this UVA team. I think it's one that a lot of people could guess just based on the success of the past couple seasons of this unit, but it's the defensive back unit. And we did lose probably one of the best players that we've had in this program in a long time in Juan Thornhill. But it says a lot that this unit is still, we think, the best after losing a talent like Thornhill. Yeah, I mean, Thornhill will definitely be missed. And I think one of the keys of next season is going to be able to find our next quote, ball hawk. Because yeah. Juan Thornhill had six interceptions last year and was terrific at safety. I think he, he might have been our leading tackler, too. Um, but uh, Juan Thornhill, six interceptions. No one else had more than two. Yeah. And then you look at Tim Harris, who also graduated. He had two interceptions. So between them, it was almost 50% of the interceptions this team had yeah. has graduated. I think one key for this season is going to be who who slides in there who's our quote next ball hawk is it mm-hmm. joey blunt is it brendan nelson does bryce hall finish more plays um i don't know but yeah we still have them as number one because there is still a ton of talent uh both starting and uh and like on the bench is depth yeah there's a lot of depth there and i think that with another year under their belt a lot of these players are going to 
be able to finish those plays that they might not have last year. And right off the top of my head, we always talk about the Tech game because it's probably the worst thing in the whole world. <laughs> but, you know, Bryce Hall let that uh, that deep pass get past him to that white. Don Kane. Don yeah. Kane's a very good player. I didn't know that. But, he, I mean, he, he looks like he shouldn't be playing football just, just based on. But there was no way that Bryce Hall should have been beat there. Uh, he let he got beat. It was a somehow a good pass uh, off the back heel of Ryan Willis. Willis. Mm-hmm. and it was caught and that probably lost us the game another time where we could have won uh brenton nelson did not collect a fumble in the end zone popped yeah, it to that, a tech player <laughs> um it's just finishing plays like that i think you know they're all going to be juniors or seniors this year i think having that experience and being able to finish those plays is going to be something that's really going to keep this unit on top and also keep them from making those mistakes again yeah i mean at safety you have Joey Blunt, who's played played extensively last year and was mm-hmm. really, really good. He's a guy that can make an all-ACC type elite. You have a Brendan Nelson, who's played extensively for the past two seasons. So most likely Brendan Nelson will slide back as kind of the true safety mm-hmm. um, that he was his freshman year. But, you know, he also played a lot in the slot last year, which gives us some uh, versatility with uh, Chris Moore, who's healthy this year after missing last year with a hip injury, mm-hmm. uh, with the Devontae Cross, who apparently was just one of the stars of spring practice yeah. now you know a full off-season program into a new position yeah. you know been at the school this will be his fourth year at the school and it's the first time he's been he's at had the same a real position, position yeah for <laughs> a year or off-season or whatever you want to call it you know he played well in spot minutes last season yeah yeah so i think that's good and on the on the sides we got bryce hall probably the star of this team uh besides bryce perkins we got the two bryces mm-hmm. and i think that you know bryce hall maybe should have left last season after having the most pass breakups in the country. And hopefully he doesn't get thrown to a lot this season because people know that he's yeah. good at defending the ball. <laughs> Which will mean a lot of passes towards Darius Bratton. Yeah. Who Darius Bratton, I think he started five games last year, broke up six or seven passes. Mm-hmm. So he played well. You yeah. know, he was better than Tim Harris to start the year. Tim right. Harris just emerged above him in the second half. Yeah. But, you know, we talk about these guys that we all know. There's also you know, really good guys um, that are freshmen, that are sophomores, that are coming in here. You know, a guy like Antonio Clary, who will be a freshman, he was good in the spring game. He mm-hmm. was good. You know, he was, you know, hitting ball carriers, you know, had, you know, the sound when the pads hit that's really loud, whatever you want to call it. I like him. You know, a Jalen Baker at corner, he's a redshirt freshman now. And, you know, the depth, you know, Jermaine Crowell, he's been in the program for two years now. Unfortunately, has been battling uh, concussions, so hasn't been on the field as much. Mm-hmm. But if he's healthy, you know, he's another guy who could have a role this season as well. I, so there's there's options. I think something that I like about this unit is how consistent they are, and and you know they don't get beat deep very often. They they they're really good at pass breakups. They're all good tacklers as well. There's no like really weak links here, and also there's consistency coming from last year you know we lose thornhill which is a huge loss but you know nelson and and blunt Blunt, yeah nelson and blunt both played a lot last season so it's not like we're just throwing some random guy in there We're, we're throwing in veterans they're all upperclassmen and there's consistency there and it's taking people that we know and who are good 
and putting them into that position as well. So I'm really excited to see how they perform this year. I think you bring up a great point too, is these guys all actually play the run really well. Mm-hmm. You know, Joey Blunt would get in the backfield. Juan Thornhill is really good at Juan that Juan Thornhill too. is really good at defending but the run. Brent Nelson, for a smaller guy, I mean, he was not afraid to get He's up fearless. to the line and make tackles. Fearless. And you have these corners, you know, Bronco likes these big, tall, rangy corners. And mm-hmm. Bryce Hall would get in there. He's not afraid to play the run. Darius Braden, big guy. He's not afraid to play mm-hmm. the run. Uh, I think the general, the big thing, big theme for me with this defense is just physicality. Mm-hmm. And I think these guys were physical last year at times. I think this year with a stronger defensive line, you know, just going off of what I've seen in the spring game, I think from top to bottom, every position unit, this is going to be a really, really physical defense. And I like that. In that, you know, thinking back four or five years ago when we had that other coach, the defense was not known as tough it was not known as hard it was a soft defense and even though we had talented players it was soft and Mm -hmm. we we weren't hitting hard we weren't getting after the ball and this group of guys we got ball hawks on the in the back we got some tough big boys up front and we got some really good linebackers who can sniff out the ball cause turnovers get past deflections i'm really excited about this defense and i'm excited about how i'm excited to be a defensive university yeah with basketball but also with football <laughs> yeah i mean part of that too is you know bronco mendenhall his roots are on defense. he's a defensive minded coach yeah. but then there's also you know nick howell and kelly papinga who are co-defensive coordinators they took over play calling duties last year nick howell being the secondary coach papinga being the in or sorry the outside linebacker coach but i mean those are two talented assistants mm-hmm. and i think one huge thing for the staff in general especially defensively has been staff continuity. Yeah. And that's not going to last forever, but it's amazing how much these guys love Bronco and, you know, to have this have the talented assistants that are on this staff. Um I think it's been a huge part of the And especially, you know, we've got successful. a lot of we've got a lot of young assistants and a lot of talented young assistants. And so some of them are going to find better opportunities eventually. They're going to have to leave. Um which I'm not looking forward to. But having the consistent staff is some once again something that we did not have during the Mike London years. Mm-hmm. You know, there was oh, always turnover. If someone was leaving, someone was being fired. And he couldn't even choose a staff most no. of the time. No, someone chose it for yeah. him. So that was annoying. And it's good to have consistency. We talked about consistency at quarterback. We talked about consistency in the defensive backs unit. Now we got consistency in the coaching staff. It's all coming together, and I think when when you've got consistency like this, it's really good for your program. Fans know what to expect. Players know what to expect. It's all working out. Yeah. So it's earn not given. Earn not given. <laughs> so recap, fifth, we did offensive line. Fourth was defensive line. Third was quarterbacks. Second was linebackers. And first was defensive backs. So, Dustin, let's talk about a position unit that kind of scares you the most or that you're worried about a little bit obviously not one of these five that made it here and we actually disagree on this we do disagree uh you tell me first so there's really only two or three positions left that we did not mention running backs wide receivers tight ends and rob and i are kind of throwing tight ends in with wide receivers because we don't really have a tight end position anymore there is a tight end but they're mostly blocking Mm -hmm. so I, I'm worried the most about the running back position. And I'm not even really worried too much, so much as just I don't know who the running back is going to be. I don't know how effective they're going to be. 
because while Jordan Ellis was effective last year, he was not like a like a I wouldn't say he's a super good running back. Mm-hmm. Right? He was effective. He could get short yardage stuff really easily, but he didn't have breakaway speed. He didn't really have any moves to juke out people. He was a good downhill running back and I I loved him to death, but like not like a generational talent or anything. And I don't really see that so much in this running back group. Uh, and the ones who have potential to be good are freshmen incoming, might not play that much, mm-hmm. right? Two people who are probably going to play a lot are Wayne Tuolapapa and P.K. Kyer. Uh, P.K. Kyer has been described as a Jordan Ellis the prototype, right? Yep. So it's like basically another Jordan Ellis. Wayne Tuolapapa had a really good spring with P.K. Kyer being out. Now, I'm not really sure what kind of uh, running style he's going to bring. I think he's a little quicker than Jordan Ellis was. I think he's a little bit smaller, but he's also got a little bit of power to bring with it too. So it'll be interesting to see what running back comes in and what running back stays. And I know Rob and I disagree with this, but I've I've been saying that I think Bryce Perkins is our (laughs) main running back. I think that he's going to be running it most of the time. I know last season that he did have more rushing yards than Jordan Ellis. So I think that with him coming back and with him being stronger and hopefully a little bit faster, he's going to be taking most of the carries anyway. So I'm not really worried so much about the running back position as just questioning where the production is going to come from. Mm -hmm. I'll say two things on that. One, uh, I don't want Bryce Perkins to be our leading rusher this year. Right. I don't. I just think that's bad for the offense. I want that to be a weapon that we have. It becomes. But more, I don't want to lean on that. It becomes more one-dimensional when he is the leading rusher. Yeah. So I agree. I would prefer to have a running back who is like better than that. But we didn't <laughs> last year, and I don't know if we do this year. I just go back to the Virginia Tech game where Bryce Perkins was hurt too, but playing hurt. But there were so like half of his runs were just like designed all the way runs like not even a read option it was like snap and go mm-hmm. i was like is this really the best we can do yeah but the other thing i do want to bring up with this is bronco has stated a preference that he wants to roll with one guy mm-hmm. for whatever reason he's not a by committee type coach he wants one running back that's going to do the whole thing and you can see it based on what he said in practice the other day mm-hmm. you can also see it just by the numbers so I went back and looked at some numbers. So of the running back carries last season, so this is excluding the carries from Bryce Perkins and Brennan Armstrong, Jordan Ellis received 87% of the carries that went to running backs, with the other ones just being garbage time. In 2017, when Kurt Benkert was the quarterback, if you look at just the running back carries, Jordan Ellis had 83% of those. So there was some, there was a little bit better distribution in the year before the first season. Taquan Mycel had 61% of those carries while Albert Reed had 32. But you see, especially the past two years, Bronco Mendenhall leans very, very heavily towards just taking one running back. So whoever ends up being this quote lead guy, Mm -hmm. whether it's Kyer, whether it's Talapapa, whether it's Mike Collins, which mm-hmm. would be a bit of a surprise, although I definitely think he's as, the as a freshman, I do agree with you that he's, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like, is he gonna? Does he have the body for college right now? I know he's talented, but is he able to bang with bigger boys now? Mm-hmm. Is he gonna need to hit the weight room? Is he gonna be able to learn the offense quickly enough? There's a lot of questions there with Hollins that makes me question the running back position now, even though he is the future. Hopefully. Yeah. And you look, I mean, I think most likely the job's going to come down between 
uh, Kyer and Tyler Papa, mm-hmm. although it seems Bronco kind of wants Kyer to win it. But yeah, uh, he keeps talking about Kyer. Yeah, even though we've barely seen him. But Kyer, again, more of a straight line, just run and fall forward, while the offense would probably look different with Tyler Papa. He's more, he can get outside more. He can be more of a one cut guy, which I think would have its advantages. Um, so it is it is a very interesting battle because most likely whoever wins that battle is going to kind of shape how this offense looks like. And the reason the reason I kind of want Talapapa to win it is just because the lack of explosive plays last year from running the ball where, you know, we would have a good run by Bryce Perkins, but we didn't really have explosive plays in the ground game and mm-hmm. really in general. So I'd love to see that be an area where we can improve upon this year. Yeah. So... Dustin says running back, and I certainly have concerns about running back too. Is kind of the position kind of most worried about. Uh, I'm going to say wide receiver. Yeah, wide receiver, and we'll group tight end with that too. Although tight end, it's more of a blocking it's kind element. of a dead dead and, position. And yeah, it's just more of basically another offensive lineman. Yeah, so which we're going to miss Evan Butts there too. Evan yeah. Butts was a heck of a blocker. I mean, you look at half of these touchdown runs. I mean, Evan Butts is flattening his guy. Mm-hmm. I I did not appreciate that until after <laughs> the season when I was looking at highlights and stuff. But I'll say wide receiver because I I think in general, and I've said this before, I still don't think we truly appreciate just how good Alameda Zacchaeus was. Mm-hmm. And we look at the guys who are going to step up, that are going to have to step up, you know, Hasis Dubois was the second leading receiver last year behind Alameda Zacchaeus, and he had just barely over half the receiving yards that Zacchaeus had. Zacchaeus finished with 1,058 receiving yards. Hasis Dubois was second on the team with 578 yards. You know, Zacchaeus caught nine touchdowns. Dubois finished, uh, I think he had five receiving touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be replaced there. And Bronco obviously felt similarly bringing in a Terrell Chapman bringing in a um a Dijon Brissett so and Brissett unfortunately is missing part of this uh workouts having uh just recovered from foot surgery Chapman very very talented receiver coming out of high school has three career catches you know through several years at Arizona State so Bronco felt similarly he wanted to bring in talent there and there are guys that could step up but I think this receiver group really is really going to be dependent on how well Joe Reed and Terrell Jana can really take that next step this season. Mm-hmm. I agree, and I, I think I'm less worried about the wide receiver position because we are bringing back guys who do know, you know, how to play. And you, you talk about uh, Joe Reed and Hasis Dubois, who were really involved with the offense last year. And while while Joe Reed was a little inconsistent, he has really big playability, which I like. Uh, that's just something we haven't seen from any of the running backs yet is big playability, consistency. Aziz Dubois had a breakout season, very consistent player, able, and I've I've said this a lot, but he's he's a possession receiver kind of guy where you can throw it to the ball to him 10 yards, he'll catch it and just fall down and we'll get a first down. You know, mm-hmm. he's a big boy, he's able to box people out. He doesn't really have breakaway speed or a great jumping ability, but he's got really good hands. And he'll fight you if you mess with him. So I really like Cis Dubois in this position. I love Joe Reed, uh, even though he is a little bit inconsistent with catching the ball. And I think Terrell Jan is going to have a really good season this year. You know, he had good games against Pitt and Georgia Tech. And, you know, it was just a little bit, but he had, he didn't get as much playing time because Zacchaeus was there. Joe Reed was in front of him. Cis Dubois was in front of him. I think Jan is uh, in line for a breakout season. And so I'm not 
as worried about where the production is going to come from with wide receivers as I am with running backs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, if Jana, it's funny because Bronco keeps bringing up uh, Joe Reed and Terrell Jana as like real leaders on this team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, Jana has like 10 career catches. Right, exactly. But he keeps bringing up as a leader. But Joe, he's got that hair. He does have that hair. <laughs> and then Joe Reed, a member of, you know, the top black strength and work, uh, conditioning mm-hmm. workout group. And apparently he's just been terrific i'm excited for his returns this season as well on kickoffs yeah hopefully he sticks with that yeah but you know you have those three guys you know i like cassis i think joe reed hopefully will get better he's very physically talented terrell jana will be better i i can see where i wish Brissett wasn't hurt obviously but Mm -hmm. hopefully he'll provide um you know something there and you know the sophomore class another reason i i kind of bring up wide receivers because the sophomore class is still a big unknown mm-hmm. you know they're kind of the outliers all the other receivers are big the sophomore class isn't and yep. Tavares kelly you know i think he'll do pretty well he's gonna have a good role this year yeah but you look at billy kemp and you look at ugo obasi neither of whom caught a pass last season mm-hmm. or had a reception but but didn't all, red shirt exactly yeah. so you have these two guys neither of whom recorded a real stat outside of uh Kemp in the bowl game but neither of them also kept their red shirt so it's interesting and I'm I'm just curious to see how it plays out I mean you've got to think that was a deliberate decision by Bronco and not just a mental oversight yeah no I'm sure it's deliberate but yeah for some reason it's deliberate but we don't know why weird dude so you gotta (laughs) you gotta think there's something there and I know that's you know, Kemp wasn't brought up as much in the training camp last year, mm-hmm. but Ugo Obasi was. You know, they, he was a guy that they were saying was making some plays, but yeah. just never really saw the field. And Kemp really just, you know, you barely knew anything about him until he became punt returner in the bowl game. Right. Tavares Kelly is another one who I think is a, it has the ability to have a breakout year. It just depends on how the coaches use him and his talents. He's not the typical wide receiver. He's more of an Alameda type, mm-hmm. smaller than Alameda, even. <laughs> yeah. But um, inconsistent hands, super fast, very quick. Yeah. So interesting to see how the coaches could use him this upcoming season. Yeah. So, I mean, I think one thing just to kind of wrap this up is that you'll see, you know, three of our five top position units plus our top two were on the defense mm-hmm. and each of us saying like a position unit that didn't make it that we're kind of more worried about are both on offense yeah so i think as good as bryce perkins is and he's going to cover up a lot this year just because he's that talented and someone at quarterback that talented can do that but the strength of this team is definitely its defense yes so and i think that it doesn't it, we're not saying the offense is bad at all and while there are some holes that need to be filled and we're not sure where they're going to be filled yet i think it's just more the we're not sure how this group is going to look yet and we're scared of that but the defense a lot of them are coming back we Mm -hmm. know what the defense is going to bring we're not quite sure what the offense is going to bring that includes the offensive line too there's a lot of unknowns on that uh up front on the offensive line so with that i think that's our position grouping rankings yeah yeah, I think that's pretty good. How do you feel, Rob? I'm just ready for football. Season, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. I was talking to Rob yesterday. I think I'm really excited for this upcoming season. Every time I think about it, I get more excited about how we can do and our expectations. I I'm closer to thinking that we can beat Notre Dame every day. I don't know if we can yet. 
I'm getting there. I'm, be- I'm a believer. <laughs> I was watching Sports Center this morning, and they were going through Notre Dame's schedule. They're giving them an 87% chance to win that game. Hmm. Shock the world a little bit. Yeah. You know? Hey, 13% is not that bad. Hey, you you can win games. You, I don't think you UNBC. <laughs> UNBC had a lower chance to win that game. Shock the world. Yeah, shock the world. I'm here for it. But anyway, uh, let's give some yells. Rob, do you have a yell? Yeah, so kind of kind of unique yell maybe i'll give it to the pardon my take podcast okay they had an episode that was really really interesting but also really funny from a uva perspective this week uh you know unfortunately kurt ben kurt got hurt in that uh pro football hall of fame game Mm -hmm. um so we're still kind of determining unfortunately it looks like it's going to be a bit of a serious injury for him but you know they they start out the episode like how is matt schaub still in the league (laughs) (laughs) 38 years old and it's like you know, you can go back and tell your kids about the games where you would ha- he had like a six game streak with a pick six with mm-hmm. the Texans. I don't know, funny UVA, and then Texan, they brought on Texans, Texans, yeah, yeah, and then uh, they brought on Joe Harris too, which was so they had an interview with Joe Harris on that episode as well. So recommend you know giving a listen, maybe not safe for work, but the NBA three point shooting champion on part of my take. That's so, right. Well, I, I'm going to give my yell out to Kyle Guy. I know this is old news, but he and his fiance got married in Hawaii. It was a really beautiful ceremony, it looked like. So congrats to them. I hope they're happy. And uh, hope that Kyle can make the the Kings full roster. He's signed a two-way contract, but still has an option uh, through a training camp. If he proves himself, he could potentially be on the full roster for the whole season. So good luck to him. Good luck to them. And uh, I think that's it for us today. So thanks for listening to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin and Rob. We are back. We are thankful. We're going to be more consistent now that football season's almost here. Uh, school's starting up for me soon. Rob starting his, started his job already, so that's good. So we're going to be a little bit more consistent, so hopefully we're here. But uh, thanks for listening. Make sure to listen, uh, follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Follow us on Snapchat and Instagram at Guys and Ties Pod as well. Go ahead and... Uh, give us a follow on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean if you want to keep listening to us. Shout out to the people who can find us on Spotify. It's really difficult. It's not that difficult. It's really hard. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, and go check out Armchair All-Americans. They are our podcast hosts. They're really awesome. They got a lot of good stuff. Football's coming up. A lot of great articles about that. And we will see you guys next week. Go, go Hoos. Hoos.